0: Today, I have the privilege of chatting with Ahmed, who went through a life-saving heart transplant surgery during the pandemic. Just 17 years old, Ahmed has shown resilience in overcoming numerous obstacles, including a leg amputation in his journey with CHD.
1: I'm very proud of myself. I mean, if you asked me a year ago, even, that I would have done anything that I've mentioned in this talk, I mean, tell me about miracles and I wouldn't believe that this is something that would even get close to it.
0: Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we're recording on the land of the Gadigal people of the Oran Nation, otherwise known as Warung. We acknowledge the traditional owners and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We pass that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners. All right, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us. I guess, where are you dialing in from? From my home, from my room. Beautiful, Oh, nice, nice. Where, where's your home? Up in Greenacre. Greenacre, where's that? in yeah, a bank's area? Yeah, I do. Oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. Look at that. Nice. Beautiful. Oh, look, tell, I guess Heart Kids podcast. So tell me a little bit about your heart and your journey.
1: Yeah, so basically when I turn 13, I kind of just started losing my voice, and we met with a few ENTs, and we were directed to speech therapy, and once that wasn't working, our ENT actually suggested to do a vocal cord surgery. Once we did the vocal cord surgery, I actually suffered a cardiac arrest on the day, so after the cardiac arrest, it just kind of just kept going downhill, and i developed this thing called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and that's what led to my heart conditions, and that's what led me to a heart transplant.
0: Tell me a little bit about, so I know that the transplant happened during COVID. What was that process like, trying to access that? Well,
1: actually, when I first had my heart transplant, I was asleep in a coma, so I didn't really get told until a few days after I woke up, because... Well, I guess my mum just was like, ABC happened and we kind of just, I just had to live with, now I have a heart transplant and an amputation and that the doctors have diagnosed me with muscular dystrophy, which they suggested that's what caused cardiac arrest and why my vocal cords just broke into a whisper.
0: What was it like, I suppose, waking up and getting all of that information? How did you process all of that?
1: It was difficult at the start. I mean, just a perfectly healthy kid just waiting for a vocal cord surgery and all of a sudden, in his coma, he wakes up with these memories that he's not sure whether they were real, whether they were fake, whether they were just in the coma, in the dream. And just to wake up and just to, because at the time when I woke up, I actually had no movement in any of my muscles. So it was kind of just like, imagine yourself just laying down on your bed and only being able to move your head. That's how it felt. So I guess I couldn't really know that I had an amputation until I tried and tried and tried to lift my head, but I never could know that I had a heart transplant until someone told me, which, I mean, it was difficult at the start to know that I've just... Gone from a perfectly healthy kid living a normal life to now having all of these different types of complications from this surgery.
0: Yeah. What was it like, I suppose, in the recovery process? And I suppose how did you adapt to a new lifestyle?
1: It was definitely hard. I mean, honestly, I'm still trying to adapt to it today and that's already about two years past everything that happened. But I guess it was really difficult because... Like, knowing that you're an amputee, not knowing if you're ever going to walk again just fills your head when you first know. And I guess that did fill my head. But at first, it was just recovering my nerves and recovering my body to now start getting feeling back in my hand, back in my foot. And just try to, like, get up and moving on my own again from the start of waking up. And through that process, I guess I went through a lot of physios that helped me and a lot of OTs that helped me from Westmead and it was difficult, but we got there.
0: What's it been like? Also Westmead represent, we love. Yes, we do. Yes. yes. I suppose in terms of that process and having a support system, you mentioned like your mum telling you everything that happened and the physios, what were the support networks that you had and that you kind of leaned on in the last two years?
1: Well, I mean, it's the last two years, I mean, i got to give it to everyone at Westmead that helped me. For example, the physios that was there, Amy that's there, I'll probably tune in. She is definitely the one that carried me through walking through my, just getting me back to walking with a prosthetic and doing all of this stuff. And the OTs out there, like Jamie and Michelle in Westmead, they really helped me getting my nerves back in my hands, in my feet, even the allied health Assistance there, which helped the OTs to get me moving again. Damien and oh no, I forgot the other one. Oh no, please don't kill me. But yeah, but also just after like leaving the hospital after that five months, I got to give it to the cardiac team helping me with my heart and all of them there like all the people up in Westmead they're really awesome and the trapeze team that I've now recently been in contact with they're now going to help me in the future with transitioning to St Vincent's for my heart treatment So, I mean, and, oh, my God, I forgot, and I'm leaving this to the end. I mean, say the best to last, but also got to give it to my mother and my family. I mean, in COVID times, I could only see my mom. I couldn't see anyone else in my family, and that just stayed there for about two months. I couldn't see anyone because, well, firstly, I wasn't in a condition to see anyone, but I also just, it was only me and my mom due, due to the COVID restrictions, and, I mean, that really did take a toll on my mental health. But, I mean, if it wasn't for my mum at those times, I honestly, I don't know what mental state I'd be in. And especially that during, I think mum spent about 55 days in the hotel in Westmead, so she didn't leave Westmead during that time, which must have been devastating for her. I mean, yeah.
0: What was it like for you, I suppose, in that period as well? with, you know, all the grief that you're going through and the frustration and all the sadness. And I guess, how did you build, you know, that mental resilience to keep giving the crack and to keep going?
1: To be honest, I mean, the nurses would tell you I was very resilient and always wanting to just do what's best for me. And, I mean, again, if it wasn't for my mum there by my side every day, I'm not sure where I would be. But I also got give it to her and just... Or even all the nurses that were there at that time, especially in ICU and Edgar Stevens, like those nurses that helped me there will honestly be the superheroes that don't get talked about. I mean, nurses and doctors and all that in in any hospital never get talked about it. And honestly, they're real-life superheroes, especially Dr. Orr. She was the one that did the heart transplant. And Dr. Nichols. I mean, they're real-life superheroes. I mean, I feel like I owe them and Westmead everything that I can give. And that's just there in the back of my mind, that's always there, just always willing to help. They did that for me and that's kinda of like what I want to do for them.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I guess two years from, you know, that that experience to now, how is your life now? What did things look like for you? What's a typical day like how is your body now?
1: Oh, a typical day is very, very busy for me now with I mean, I am a U twelve student, finishing my GC. But also, I got to deal with the fortnightly physio appointments on a Monday, Macquarie. And I do EP twice a week. So that's exercise physiology at my local gym, World Gym Chalora. So, I mean, just, I guess that it can get hard sometimes. But I always just look to the people around me, again, like my mum, like my family. And I just realised that I'm not only doing this for myself. But I'm also doing this for the people around me and I'm also just trying to inspire people around me. I mean, I'll get people when I'm at the gym just come up to me and say, you're a true inspiration and honestly just keep going, man. And that's what I look up to. Just anyone that just wants to come up to me or even message me and just say something nice, always put a smile on my face. And that's honestly what I just live to do. I love seeing that.
0: I love that. I love that. I saw this thing on TikTok the other day that was like, this woman was like, you know, if you think a compliment, don't keep it to yourself, like pass it on to someone. I think that's so true, right? Like, Yeah. You don't want to keep that stuff to yourself. You want to you tell always, people. Yeah,
1: you always want to spread positivity to everyone, make sure that everyone's feeling good.
0: Just 100%. Sure everyone's okay. Look, I have such an aversion to sport, but I'm so impressed how much you love sport. Tell me a little bit about, I know that you have a particular love for AFL. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with AFL. Well,
1: look, I'm going to go off track and not say and say that I'm not a big AFL fan. I'm more of an NRL fan. But if you look at the wheelchair NRL, due to the wheelchair AFL, I mean, the wheelchair NRL is more rough than the NRL itself. <laughs> and I think my mum would never let me play wheelchair NRL. So I've kind of picked AFL as something that I could do. Cause, yeah. Look, it honestly took me a long time to actually get into wheelchair sports. And fun fact, the first thing I actually said when I saw my leg, I was actually like to my mum, will I ever be able to kick a footy again? Because before everything, like under 7th to 11th, I used to play for the big Down Bulls. I used to play NRL. So that just kind of gave me that sporty freedom, just sports with freedom. And like, I am a massive... Bulldogs fan. I was and gonna sure ask I was anyone,
0: like, <laughs> are anyone you
1: who, yeah, anyone who knows me, definitely knows how passionate I am for the Bulldogs. And I mean, it was really shocking over the weekend. But well, yeah, don't worry, But the has this weekend.
0: Look, I won't lie to you. I'm a bunny's support us. Oh, so,
1: no. yeah. oh maybe maybe we can't do this podcast
0: anymore. I <laughs> think we better shut this down.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but like Wuch AFL, I actually made it to the nationals in Wuch AFL last year. So that was a massive accomplishment and that I think that 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 will actually just give me motivation to keep playing Wulchist sports and I mean, Nationals are coming up in November and look out on KO to see me there. I mean, it should be streamed on KO Freebies, so you don't have to have an account to sign up. Just look up there and you might see me up there. So look out for the NSW Rolling Rams.
0: Yeah, I love that. In terms of, like, sport and, like, do you find – what is it about sport that you love? Like, is it the community? Like, what is it that keeps you rocking up to it?
1: Yeah, it is definitely a community, but it's also the passion that I have. I mean, I'm a very big sports fan. Like, I only watch NRL. I watch tennis, and I watch a lot of different sports. So, I mean, I have a lot of free time. But it's getting cut down with now finishing school that I'm focusing more on school. But, look, when I get to try out for this AFL team, hopefully I can make it. But, I mean, the community is just great. I mean, everyone around there is just great. Like, wheelchair sports and just the NSW and ACT, like, company here, it's just awesome. I mean, they're having this junior wheelies camp that I go to sometimes. It's, I mean, it's you can't put it to words. They're all beautiful. They all just want to help. And they all just want to give kids in a wheelchair a chance to just feel sport again. That's what I think, Like. That's where I think it all starts for people who want to get into a wheelchair sports team.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, look, speaking about, you know, obviously inspirational people, you've been awarded for being inspirational. What is it, Inspirational Award at the Canterbury Brings to Our Children's and Youth Awards? What happened there? Tell me about that.
1: Well, I mean, my mum nominated me to that award and I made it into the, there was top five and I made it into this. We kind of got invited down and well they called us like the five people for this award to come up and then they announced it so I mean it was honestly just amazing to be there in general and then just to be on stage and then to call out my name and say that I won this award is awesome and especially it didn't even stop there after I got this award after they told a bit about my story I just strangers come up to me and saying, I'm a true inspiration. I mean, back to what I was saying, that put a smile on my face. I mean, that's just something that I want to continue doing, just being an inspiration in the community.
0: A hundred percent. I suppose as well, like, going through all this in COVID, like, being isolated, whereas now, you know, you're out in community, you'd, like, get and have these conversations with people. Like, that would feel so nice to kind of have that connection.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it definitely is.
0: Yeah. Look, in terms of, I suppose... I know that you mentioned before, you know, moving from Westmead to St Vincent's and I guess the transition of care, I always find, you know, the process to become independent in your healthcare is really stressful. You know, where are you at in your process and kind of what's it been like to kind of step up and, you know, take a lot of charge and self-determination over, over your medical care?
1: Well, in terms of medical care, I'm not definitely independent yet. I mean, my mom's still helps me with a lot of stuff, I mean she says I need my own secretary I mean, due to all the appointments that I have she's not wrong, I mean I really do, and honestly, I can't even keep up on my appointments anymore, like I mean, it's going down definitely a lot since a hospital, I mean it used to be a fortnight to go for a centre and a lot of other appointments that I won't get into but it's just a lot for someone at this age, but I guess that I just keep going, and... I mean, now with the Trapeze team, that I'm... Like, they're gonna help me be more independent, I mean if I want to be more independent, I do need to start driving and my mum's ushering me on that. So hopefully we can get that started over the holidays. <laughs> After I just say, I'm really pushing this out because I don't want to drive, but I know I need to. But I think definitely when I start driving, that'll secure more independence and that'll definitely make me more independent.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And in terms of like, medical appointments and things like that like do you get nervous for appointments how do you feel going into them do you feel comfortable now
1: yeah I definitely feel comfortable now I mean at first if you ask me yes definitely feels cautious to go in there but I mean I did spend five months in hospital with some of the actually most of the doctors that I'll have appointments with so I guess it's just kind of like I know it's weird to say but I guess me, like me and the nurses there we're kind of just like family and all the doctors there so I guess that I mean five months does tend to build a family so like those five months really brought me and a lot of different facilities there at me together and I mean I am truly a miracle there so mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I guess like You know, I think it's an interesting space to kind of be in when you're young and kind of going through this stuff where, you know, kids your age just don't have to think about this kind of stuff. But I guess for people who are walking maybe a similar journey to you or, you know, have their own things in life that they're kind of struggling with, what is your advice or what are the things that kind of pushed you through that you would recommend?
1: Well, look, just I know that life might freeze some kerbals or life just might just throw you down a ditch and want you to get up by yourself look in these times I think you just need to stay calm be positive and just think that there is something at the end of the tunnel like when I was in hospital I'd always see some like light at the end of the tunnel and I know that if I just keep pushing myself keep going I will get there and I feel like that sometimes that's a good mindset to have I mean I know it can be difficult and I know it not, might not work for everyone but if you're positive and you have a good relationship with your family and just good relationship with everyone, I mean, like friends and family, that's honestly mostly what you need. And me, like me, I'm a very religious Muslim, like me with my religion. I feel really connected. So I guess that that also plays a factor. So if you are religious and if you are capable to be more religious with your religion and that's honestly the best part to get through these times I mean like me with my religion just bring me closer to God during these times
0: yeah strengthened your faith yeah 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 I guess looking at where you are now and then looking back on the last two years I guess are you proud of yourself like how do you feel about that journey
1: I'm very proud of myself I mean if you asked me a year ago even that I would have Done anything that I've mentioned in this talk, I mean, I would say you're joking. I mean, I, I wouldn't believe it. I mean, from trying, just trying all just Sports to making a national team at a national level and playing against an adult comp, like I'm the youngest bloke that was there, and winning a youth award for inspiration, I mean, tell me about miracles and I wouldn't believe that this is something that would even get close to it.
0: Now, look, you got HSE coming at you. What are your plans post HSC? What's on the horizon? What are you working towards?
1: Look, as I said before, I feel like I, all roads lead to Westmead and I want to do something in Westmead and if I can get it, I want to do pharmacy for Westmead because I feel like it could help people in my situation. I mean, I know it might not help a lot, but having a like, a good connection with people and knowing that these people can have some, like I can relate to them and I feel like that's what some people need is just for people to relate to them, know what they're going through and just to help them out in that sense. I feel like that's where I want to go.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that lived experience is like the most valuable thing that you can have and you can bring to people when they're in that state where they're vulnerable and they're not sure. But to be somebody who knows it and to tell them it's going to be all right, big things yep. big things yeah. beautiful well look they are all of my questions is there anything else that you want to add or do you want to note
1: not really i mean to shout out the wheelchair afl comp that might or well, hopefully happens in towards the end of november look out on ko for that
0: mm-hmm. so ko sports you, is that it yeah, KO yeah Sports all over it
1: so you boys and girls can go Look at it and just stay tuned. It's probably more so towards the end of November, but we'll see if I can make it there. Look out for the rolling rams.
0: <laughs> That's it. Sometimes this podcast deals with some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or somebody that you love, it's important to reach out for help. The Heart Kids Helpline provides support and guidance for anyone impacted by congenital or childhood heart disease. You can call the helpline on 1-800-432-785. To access more information about childhood heart disease, as well as support from HeartKids, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect your or your family's health.